The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. This, this whole concept we're talking about over the next several weeks is, a, is moving. And uh, today we're going to center in on abiding. And to give you some updates uh, in progress, last week I kind of left you hanging, uh, I realized. And um, I told you last week we had a delay. We had a pipeline that wasn't in the ground that needed to go in the ground, and we've got to put it in there. And uh, just to give you some updates on that, this week I had some meetings with the city, and uh, we are praying for favor. We've gotten all the, the fees paid. We've got the contractors lined up. We've got everything in line. We are just praying for favor on that construction date through the water department. They've got to put a, th- a thing in the ground called a tap, and then our contractor um, can connect that tap to the building and the fire sprinkler system and all that, and then uh, we are good to go. Um, over the next couple weeks, uh, we'll see some major progress happen, and so we are, we are hoping and praying uh, that we can expedite some things and be in there around mid-August, um, but here's one thing I'm going to tell you. Oh, let me tell you this. I'm really excited about this. I almost forgot. This week, the air conditioner is supposed to be turned on. Okay? This. That is clapworthy because let me tell you something. Uh, I have to have a meeting in there with all the construction team and, and our construction manager and architect, and uh, it's on Tuesday afternoons. Now, you go sit in a metal building, and I, I'm telling you, I don't care if it's 91 or 101. It is hot, okay? Hot. It is very well insulated. We could probably slow-cook meat in there right now, and I can tell you because I think I'm about done, but I mean, I, I walk in, I walk in nice, you know, I walk out drenched. And so I am so grateful we're going to have the air on. But that air conditioning is a key, key pivot point because once that gets turned on, there's a lot of finish-out stuff that they can start putting in, like carpet and, and get the doors acclimated and get hardware on and all. I mean, it's just so things will start rolling. So be praying for that. Um, I had somebody ask me if I was disappointed about uh, the delays. Let me, let me tell you something about but what I've learned in my uh, walk with God. He is fully in control. And timing is fully under his control. And uh, this, this week at Agape, when we were outside cooking and we were, uh, we were talking and interacting, somebody said, what's your favorite scripture verse? And I can tell you mine is immediately Isaiah 26, 3, that the Lord will keep his mind in perfect peace, him whose mind is, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And so let me tell you, when our mind is focused on what God wants, and focused on God and giving Him glory, He keeps us in perfect peace. So when I get a phone call, and the joke around our house is whenever my phone makes a noise, my comment is, wonder what adventure this could open up, because you just never know. And, and the reason that I can stay in that peace, that when I hear of delays, when, I, when we get good news and we get bad news, when we get whatever news, He keeps us in peace, because God is in control of the timing. And I can tell you, um, it's not about a building. We can gather in here. We have an incredible opportunity as we gather in here. It's not about the place. It's about what happens in the place. And I can tell you some of these delays. I had a great opportunity to minister to our construction uh, folks this week. They were talking about the delays, and they were talking about, you know, this is a challenging job, and, you know, they just don't understand why things aren't falling in line. And I said, look, let me, let, can I, let me teach you about something here. What we are building is much bigger than ourselves. And just as much as you want to say, well, pastor, we need to be praying for favor, you need to understand that there is an enemy who is unholy and wants nothing more than to destroy the things of God. And so he's going to fight this process. 
So if we think we're going to go through this and everything's going to go smooth, then, then maybe we need to check ourselves a little bit. But I can tell you, we're having to fight the enemy along this way. Why is he fighting it? Because of what's going to happen in that facility. It's not about the building, but that is a place where lives are changed. The enemy hates this place on Sunday mornings because this is a place where lives are changed. And so I'm, I'm excited. I'm, in, I'm walking in the peace of God. I'm trusting him for the timing, and I cannot wait to get in there. I'm telling you, I am wrestling with some patience issues, but I'm so excited to get in there, and it's going to be right, and it's going to be incredible to see what God does in all of our lives and for the people who have yet to even come. There are people sitting in their homes right now that don't know that, that God, died, God sent his son Jesus to die for them and that he was resurrected on the third day. And through that, the good news is our lives can be transformed. We have people sitting around us in bondage and in, dis, in dis, desperate situations, and we get to bring the good news to them. I'm excited about that. So um, that's, where, that's where all that is. Um, I do want to talk, call your mind to some decorating changes this morning. We have a curtain over here. Um, and I don't know if you noticed it on your way in or not. It serves a couple purposes. Uh, Thursday night, the daycare had a break-in attempt. And so uh, um, they didn't get in, but they were able to drill out a gas tank and steal the gas. That's a gutsy dude, man. <laughs> you know, you want to drill a gas tank full of gas? Yeah, the last thing he might have heard was boom. But, um, but they, they didn't, nobody got in. But so yesterday when we set up, we put the curtain up so, because we didn't want to walk into another surprise this morning. You know, <laughs> hey, you're missing some equipment. And uh, we also decided to leave it up because it is hot and we can try to help keep it a little cooler in here. But don't worry about the heat. A polar vortex is coming this week. I don't know if you saw the news. I mean, dude, see, we're just, we're just having to do summer in little bits. It's not going to be ice Mageddon, you know, not that kind of vortex. You know, I was watching Day After Tomorrow the other day. It's not like a... But anyway, um, so I got to get going, man. You guys are getting me off track. Um, if you got your Bible, it's all your fault. Um, <laughs> okay, forgive me. It's my fault. If you've got your Bible, go to John chapter 14, and then also kind of the, place your finger at First John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, write your name in the front of it. That's our gift to you. Um, and then if you've got a smart device, you can uh, um, find us on the U version. It's a free app in whatever app store your uh, device uses, and uh, we have all that in there. So John 14 and First John chapter 3. In uh, this moving series, we've got to understand that God is always calling us to move. He's always calling us to change. And when you look at, at, at babies, they're born, and it's just almost daily, you see change in their life. You know, we as adults, we as people, God calls us to the same process. We've got to constantly be changing. Growing people change. And, and here's a word for you. If, here's a big churchy word if you want to throw this down at the water cooler this week. It's sanctification. It's maturity. God calls us into a relationship with him, and then he calls us to mature. He calls us to grow. He calls us to develop in our walk with him and our relationship with him, and it means change. And I can tell you in my past, I've gone through a lot of changes, and change is scary. A lot of times we get a little worried about what's on the other side of the change. You know, I've, uh, we've kind of talked about some things, even about the church moving facilities and there's change involved. We know we can't stay here, but there's change involved, and that can be a little scary. I've gone through changes in my life where I transitioned from the corporate world into ministry. That was a scary change, uh, a huge scary change from single to married, and then from uh, 
that transition into fatherhood, that is, that, I mean, that's probably one of the scariest ones I've ever gone through. And it continues to be scary every day. But God calls us to change. And the interesting thing about this is when God calls us to do it, he calls us to do it because he loves us. And it's his love that can cast out fear. It's perfect love that casts out fear. So when we start to have fear in a change, we've got to let the perfect love of God wash us, set our minds back on him so he can keep us in perfect peace. So we walk out that change in a way that glorifies him and it refines us and grows us. And so when we we think about this whole process, he's calling us to change all the time. I love how tender and God is. I mean, he's working on me with things in my life and that there, I got issues. I'm not perfect. if, if, If that surprises you, then I'm sorry I just busted your bubble. You're not perfect either. I might have just busted a bigger bubble there. Um, God is constantly working on us and refining us. And, and just how he loves us is so just beautiful in his grace and his mercy, how he just starts to, to slowly say, hey, we're going to deal with this because I need you to change here. And let's, let's work on this. And he helps lead us through that change. And so today I want to talk about this idea of, of, of abiding in Christ. And I've got to tell you, you know, I love my home. I love being home. I love, I, I love the heart of my home. And I've lived in many houses in my life. You know, since we've launched the church, we've lived in several houses. I've lived in many houses, but it's not the house that makes it the home. I love my home because I have a wife that loves me and supports me. I have kids that, are, that love the Lord and serve the Lord, and I have incredible kids. And I have such an environment of support and love, and, and, and that's the structure of my home. When we were praying about launching the church, uh, Heather and I were working through a story about uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan is Saul's son, the King Saul, and uh, he was praying about charging the hill, that he felt God say, charge the hill, you're going to take on the enemy. And uh, he looked at Jonathan, tells him this, and Jonathan said, I'm with you, heart and soul. And I remember when Heather and I were wrestling through launching the creek, And I said, Heather, this is what I feel God's calling us to do. And Heather looked at me and said, I'm with you, heart and soul. And when God's leading me and I have somebody like my wife behind me, man, do you just watch out? I mean, I feel like I could go up and and take the hill. And that's the environment that I have in my home. It's, It's not always easy, but those are the structures of my home. There's peace, there's love, there's joy, and I love being home. I love being at home in the creek because that same heart that makes our our home the way it is exists here because God has placed his heart here at the creek. And I love that because I can come in. You guys know me. I can't always be serious. um, And I've I've said I've got issues. I love that I can say that in my church, that there's a a church that, that has the environment of peace and love and unity. And when we were praying as a church about this next step, You know, it was just, we're with you heart and soul. And we can take these steps, and I love being home. There's this whole feeling of home. And when you think about abiding, abiding is where we want to be in that environment. I love abiding in my home because the environment. I love abiding in my church because the environment. Let me tell you something. I love abiding in Christ because of his love. Because he is the author of those environments. He is the creator of those environments. He is the giver of those environments. And so instead of me loving the environment, I want to love the one who gives it. And I want to draw close to the one who creates that environment. 
I want to draw the one who can bring me into that environment, and I'm not just sitting there. I am with him. Does that make sense? So we've got to make these decisions. Do we abide in Christ? Because we can have a relationship with Christ, but not fully abiding in him. It's this whole idea that we are going to abide in one of two places. We will either abide in, the, in, in Christ or the world. I mean, when you break it down, it's like this. We will either abide in life or death. And so when we begin this process of thinking, okay, well, where do I want to live? I mean, we've all gone through this. Where do I want to live? You start looking at the neighborhoods. I mean, there's all these web tools now to help you, Zillow, and you've seen the commercials that tug on your heart about we got a home and all this stuff. We start making decisions about where we want to make our home. We've got to start processing where do we want to live? How do we want to abide? How do we want to abide in Christ? Because we're either in him or not. And now once we're in him and how do we get in him, that's through faith. Faith allows us to abide in Christ and it comes down to faith and practice. I talked last week about our position of holiness and our practice of holiness. Think of it as our, our faith and our practice. Through faith, we are made new. Through faith in Jesus, the gospel is made real in our life. The gospel is this. It's the good news that Jesus is the Son of God. He was placed on a cross and His blood was shed for our sins. He was laid in a borrowed tomb and He was resurrected on the third day. And because of that power, we can be made new. We can have new life. We can be transformed. We can abide in Christ. And so that's that faith and practice. Now, I've got to tell you... um, it's the idea that when we are born again, when we come into a relationship with Christ, we're made new, and the Holy Spirit then moves in. He seals us. He baptizes us into the church. And Scripture tells us that we're sealed for the day of redemption. So God puts His stamp on us and says, He's mine. But I can do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. I can The decisions I make, how I choose to react or respond or or the, the appetites I feed, um, it's the flesh or the spirit, that the Holy Spirit goes, hey, I, I, I want to draw close to you, but man, I can't be in the room with this. I can't be in the house with this. This isn't losing your salvation. This is falling out of fellowship with God. This is, this is God saying, I'm a holy God, and you want me to bless you, but you're not willing to let go of the things that are keeping me from blessing you. And God's like, I'm not going to force it in here, you think of it this way. It, it, it is the, the principle of, of buying a home that needs to be remodeled. I do not possess the vision to see a home that's a wreck and go, we could do something with this. I don't have that gift. My brother has that gift. I know a lot of you have that gift. You can see a wreck of a home and go, this could work. I walk in and I'm like, see you later. Next. I mean, it, it ain't happening. What I love about God, his nature, his character, his, his whole being, is he can look at this wreck of a man and he say, I'm not willing just to move in, but I see what you can be. And he's willing to move in and start renovating. And there's walls in my life that need to be torn down. There's surfaces in my life that need to be smoothed out. There's, there's all kinds of issues in this dwelling called Matt, but I love the patience of God that he says, I can see who I've created. And I'm willing to move in, take up residence, and change you. But we've got to stay connected 
with God. How do we stay connected? Let's, let's look at this. It's uh, John chapter 14. I'll start verse 21. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What I love about this is Jesus says, My Father and I, we will come to them and make our home with them. But there's some things we've got to do to stay connected, some things we've got to engage in. Um, he says, if anyone has my commands. There's an interesting thing. We, we have to have and keep these commands. So what are these commands that Jesus is talking about? The first one, when you think about the commands, Jesus was asked a question. This was a, this was a question of the day, still is a question. We deal with this as humans. What's the greatest commandment? The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, had been arguing about these. There were over 600, and, and 600 commands and laws that they had created. Um, we, we say, God, you reduced it to the top 10, and then we still want to funnel it down. What's the one thing? What is the one thing, Jesus? What's the, if, if, if I were going like, to focus on one thing, we do this in our jobs. You, you really, we, really, we all do. What's the one thing I need to focus on? I mean, if you could just boil this whole position down to one thing, what's the one thing? And they asked Jesus, and Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying is the, the first command that we've got to keep, we've, it's not just keep it, we have to obey it. It's one thing to know it, but one thing to do it. Remember a couple weeks ago, we were talking about sunscreen. And I said, it's one thing to know that you need to put it on. It's another thing to actually put it on. Which, by the way, I don't know if you watched the news this week, you shouldn't put that spray on stuff on your kids. It's an inhalation hazard. But I guess for us adults, it's okay, you know. <laughs> you remember me? I use the spray on. And Heather buys me the one with the cologne in it because I guess I stink when I'm in the sun, you know. So uh, it's one thing to know it, but one thing to keep it, to obey it. And so the first command is to love God. Love God with everything we've got. God created us with, with a body, with a mind, with a heart, with emotions, with will, with, with actions. And, and he, Jesus is saying, love God with everything you've got. The, the love has to have a source. Love has to start somewhere. And that source is God. God is the source of love. God gives it. Let, let me kind of help help track you through this. You see, we only possess ability to love because God first loved us. And in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, said that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Meaning that when we're born, we are born broken. We are born into sin. We are born in need of a Savior. If We're born physically and we're breathing and we're alive, but we are dead spiritually. And what Solomon is saying is from that time we're born, even into a broken system, there is something in us that has set our heart on eternity, that there's this longing inside of us for everything to be reconciled, for things to be made right. It's that, that desire, that, that hope. And what happens is when we start searching on what has been set in our heart, 
and we find truth, we find Jesus. And just as Jesus told Nicodemus that you, you, you can't go back into your mother's womb, but spirit gives birth to spirit, we are made new. God pours his love in us. God gives that love. And we've got to understand that it all comes from God. And so we give that back as a love offering, just as God gave his only son as a love offering to the world. He gives us that holy love, that perfect love that casts out fear. Now, we tend to look at um, uh, things black and white. And when God gives us his love, his holy and perfect love, we can do one of two things with it. We can either return it to him as an act of worship or we can pervert it into an act of idolatry. Let me give you an example of that. We look at at light and dark, and we say dark is the absence of light. You look at hot and cold. Cold is the absence of heat. You look at love and hate. Hate is not the absence of love. Hate is an extreme perversion of love. Because God gives us a holy and pure love and we defile it when we hate. And we can look at it this way. We can, here's how pride goes. I love me and hate others. Or we get it distorted and we say, I love others but I hate me. I mean, we, we, we deal with that. What are the commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. That holy love has to transform how we see ourselves and how we see other people. The cure for that is in Philippians 2, that we don't look at others as better than our, we don't look at ourselves as better than others, but we take on this mind of Christ. That's humility, because we have to understand the balance in this. See, God gives us a holy love to love him with everything we've got, to see ourselves the way he sees us, to have a healthy love a healthy, holy love for ourselves, and then a healthy, holy love for other people. That's how that works. So we can return that love that he gives us as an act of worship in how we love God, how we love ourselves, how we love other people. So uh, what does it look like to love God? What are are some things that I can tangibly put my hands on or understand on what it looks like to love God with everything I've got? You know, I hear people say, you know, you seek him with all your heart. What does that look like? What does it look like to seek God? What does it look like to pursue holiness? Uh, It's going to come down to this. It's spiritual disciplines. And some of you are like, oh, great, here we go. It's giving, it's serving, it's showing up to church. If that's what you reduce the spiritual disciplines to, I'm afraid you've missed the point. You see, it's not just the discipline of doing it. It's the heart behind what I do. You see... I give to the creek. Heather and I were one of the first givers to the creek, and we give consistently to the creek. But we don't do that begrudgingly. I do that cheerfully. You see, God says if you're gonna if you're gonna engage in a spiritual spiritual discipline, but your heart isn't in the right place, God says, I don't want it. I can't bless it because your heart's not in the right place. It's serving, we've got vacancies in every ministry in the church. Well, let me tell you something. Instead of me standing here and saying, it's your spiritual discipline, you need to get in there and you need to serve and guilting you 
and trying to manipulate you into serving in an area just because we've got a vacancy, let me tell you what that does. That creates a bigger mess because your heart's not designed for that place of ministry. I want you to be in the place that your God has designed your heart to be in for ministry so it doesn't create a mess, it creates a blessing. And the spiritual disciplines, what does it look like for me to pursue God? So my heart is lined up with giving to Him because He gives to me, because He trusts me with what He gets. It's the, whole, the, the tithing principle, you've heard it. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And I don't do it just to get God off my back. Some people engage in spiritual disciplines like, you know, I, I'm going to put money in the giving box on my way out or I'm going to sign up to serve or I'm going to show up to church every week just to get God off my back or keep God off my back. Man, what a, what a, what a, you're not returning that love that he's given you as an act of worship. You feel like God is this cosmic killjoy that's out to get you and you've got to do these things on his list so he'll stay off your back. That's not the case. When his love transforms our heart, it transforms how we engage in the things we do. So when I give, I'm given because I love him. When I serve, when I serve you, I'm not serving you, I'm serving him. When I show up to church, it's not just to check off a box and say, all right, I've got, I've got three times, three Sundays out of four this month, so that ought to help my fire insurance. That ought to keep me out of hell. I come here because I love God, I love you, and I love being at home in the church because this is a place where I can be who I am. This is a place where I know I'm going to have people who will help me with accountability, that are going to love me, that are going to see me through. It's the spiritual disciplines, and that's how we pursue that. And that's what it looks like to love God with everything we've got. So let's go on in these other commands. You, I had you... Kind of hold your place at 1 John. Go over to 1 John chapter 3. Start verse 23. 1 John is, is, is a beautiful supplement to John. Um, verse 23, chapter 3. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So we know he lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit alive and dwelling in us. And so what are the other commands? One is to believe. We've got to believe. Now this is, a, this is an interesting one because as we, we were talking about this week and I just couldn't help but think of the father whose son was possessed by a demon. And it would throw his son into the fire and into the water to try to kill him. And, and this desperate father brings his child, his son, to Jesus. And if you think that, that the activity of, of the demonic activity is something that was just in the Bible, you're mistaken because it is just as real today. And how many of us are willing to bring our kids to Jesus and bring our family or our friends to Jesus that we know need help? And he says, Jesus, if there's anything you can do, can you help him? You've got to read this story. I just love it. Jesus is like, if there's anything I can do. Man, you know, when I was creating the world and, you know, just sustaining it by the power of my word, just don't know if there's anything I can do for you, Jack. <laughs> I mean, when I, I said eternity in the heart of men, and, ooh, this is a little tough one, man. Your kid's a mess. 
I've seen some messy kids, but that one is a mess. Jesus is like, how long do I have to put up with this? How, I mean, I, I kind of picture like it. Really? Really? Jesus says, all things are possible if you believe. And I love the Father's response. The, the sheer honesty in this. Jesus, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I believe you can do it, but I need your help in my unbelief. You see, when we're commanded to believe, I, I, I can tell you that I can believe, but there are so many times in my life that I've said, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you want to have a relationship with me. I believe that you can help me pass this hurdle in my life. I believe that you can help me overcome this challenge. In my life. I believe that you want the best for me, but I need you to help me in my unbelief. Well, can you help me pass that? Will you give me the faith? Because Jesus also says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus, I, just give me that mustard seed faith. If it's that small, can you give it to me? Can you help me with it? And then you start thinking, where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm asking him to help me in my unbelief, it means I'm asking him for faith. Where am I getting that faith? Am I willing to engage in a spiritual discipline of being in an environment where I can hear his word? I'm getting into his word daily so that that faith can grow. Because see, what happens is just as God gives us love to return love to him, he gives us faith to return that in the form of belief in him. See, I can't muster belief in Jesus. Well, I just want to believe it so bad it's going to happen. You know, some of y'all daydream. You see the billboards when you see that Powerball number going up and up and up and and me. You believe it, but you ain't got no help in your unbelief on that, right? You can't will it into being. It takes a transformation. It takes God doing it for us. And so are we willing to ask him to help me in my unbelief? It's the spiritual discipline of faith. How do you grow the faith? It's through the word of God. Let me tell you something you got to feed it. Do you desire it? Do you make it a priority? Do you make God a priority in your life? You see, it's, it's just like an addict. The desire and the appetite will grow for what you feed. So if you have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you place a priority on that, you will start to feed that appetite. If you have a hunger and thirst for things of the flesh, you will start to feed that. And that appetite will grow until it ends up consuming yourself. Belief. The third one is love others. This is a recurring theme over the last several weeks because this is vitally important. This is a big deal to God because you see, He gives us that love and we return it to him as an act of worship in how we love him and how we love ourselves and how we love others. We can only love because he loved us and we can love in a holy way because of his sacrificial love. He has made that possible. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I can't make anyone love me. I can't command anyone to love me. Do you know why God can say, it's one of my commands that you love me? Because it's his love. I can't command you to give something back to me that's not mine. 
And God says, it's mine and I can command it. Case in point, first time I saw Heather, I knew that's the woman I'm going to marry. I said to my best friend, he thought it was funny. I said, no, I'm not joking. That's the girl I'm going to marry. I knew. I didn't have to pray about it. It was just instant. Holy Spirit said, that's her right there. Boom, light over her head. I heard, we sang, I want to hear voices of angels. I heard them. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. I knew it. It took her four months (laughs) to get the phone call with the angels singing and the Holy Spirit saying, he's the one. I could not command her to love me. She has given her heart to me and she says, I'm with you heart and soul. I still, I still cannot command Heather to love me. I love her with the holy love God has given me. And she returns that to God as an act of worship in how she loves me. It's a big deal to God. See, all of these things create a cycle. You love God. You build your belief. You love others in a holy way. When I love you in a holy way, it makes me love God more. It increases my belief. You see the cycle in that. I've been working with our staff through this thing on discipleship. It's called the head, the heart, and the hand. That, that we need to know it here. It's got it's to, the truth has to enter here. Um, and then it has to move through us. When you think about God's love, it flows down, and then our love has to flow upward and then outward. You think of the shape of the cross. My love is first directed up at God, and then how that's done in a holy way as an act of worship then flows outward to the people around me. And can I tell you, it's the people who are closest to you first. It's not loving others as neglecting your family and going to the other side of, of wherever. It's not neglecting your family and your mission fields at work. It's not neglecting your your kids and going and serving in the schools. The love pours out closest first. To God first. And my wife. And my kids. And you know what? Then you get the rest. That's holy. So the cycle with the head, heart, and hand is this. We receive the truth. We believe this truth, and we act it out. We go as we're called, and God will always call us to the next step. He will always call us to move. There will always be challenges that he's calling us to grow through. And for some of you, that next step might be that salvation. It might be that spirit giving birth to spirit. It might be the realization that maybe today for the first time in your life, you might have been growing up around church, but today for the first time, it's God made it clear to you that said, you know what, I love you. I gave my son for you because I love you. And I can forgive you and I can make my home with you. I will come to you and make my home and I will begin that restoration. For some of us, maybe we have this relationship and we're sealed for the day of redemption, but we don't live it. And so we've fallen out of fellowship with God, a relationship with God, and maybe he's calling us to take the step back. Wherever it is, or whatever it is, maybe there's just something completely different God's been working with you on this whole time. Can I tell you, our prayer room is open. We've got people that are ready to pray for you, that they want to pray for you, they have been praying for you, and they would love to get their hands around you and pray with you. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want you to take that next step. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the truth of your word. I pray that it transforms our, our, our heart. I pray that your truth renews our mind. And I pray that we live this out in a way that brings you worship with how we return the love you've given us. 
Lord, I pray that you help us abide in you. And as you said, as we follow these commands, that you will love us and you will make your home in us. Lord, I pray that you just come in right now and pray that we all in this room, maybe there's someone that has never even given you access to the home. I pray that maybe they, they say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that you love me, but I need you to help me in that unbelief. And, and I want you to make me new. I want you to move in. I want you to abide in me and I in you. And I pray that the first thing I can do is receive your holy love, that I can receive the faith that you've given me, and then I begin to give that back to you. Make me a new creation. Father, maybe there's someone in this room that, that, that they're saved and sealed, but they're not in relationship with you. Maybe they've just given you a, a, a sign on the front door of their heart but I pray that you give us all the courage to open up every room and you begin to move in every area of our life and that you begin to bring restoration and reconciliation in every area of our life. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Please make your home among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.